The subject of today's episode will be the murders that Jesse almost definitely committed, his confession and then recant of said confession, his trial, insanity defense, the fight to hang him or to not hang him, his time in prison, and his many escape attempts, and why I refuse to say that he was a serial killer, even though many will probably disagree with me. All that and more on our second and final episode of Jesse H. Pomeroy. Kevin Young. And I'm Dan, the Bostonian butt biter Hurrigan. <laughs> I don't think that's something you want to be known as. <laughs> and this is torture. <laughs> no, I'm not Bostonian to begin with, so that's that's already But you are know. you a butt biter? No. Only if you ask me nicely. Yeah, I've been known to bite an ass, but only my wife, and only when she wants it. Gently. She bites mine, and I yell at her because I don't want her to. <laughs> oh, so I hope everybody enjoyed the first part of this uh, series. If you were a Patreon member, you would have listened to it much sooner than if you weren't a Patreon member, if that type of shit matters to you. Um, if it does, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash torturepod for early episodes, uh, video episodes, a bunch of other cool shit, exclusive merch, um, all that stuff. Yeah. Just, you know, go take a look. Special swag. Special swag. Right now we got the one, uh, our exclusive merch is the Burger King shirt, um, which I love. I think it's brilliant. It's the yeah. one that I should have ordered, but I haven't. <laughs> That's the one that if I'm going to order, I'm going to order that one and probably the Gilda Ray one just because I think it's funny. Um, yeah. And then a torture hat. They're all funny. Yeah. but Well, I have all my stuff on the way, so next time people see me, uh, I will be not promoting un- um, Under Armour anymore. Um, <laughs> it's shameless self-plugging. <laughs> wearing the hat nothing wearing wrong a t-shirt with, yeah nothing wrong with wearing a hoodie plug. if there's other podcasts out there that want to send us merch i'd be i'd be more than willing to wear other podcast merch on here um to plug i don't as long as i like the I podcast yeah as long as we yeah don't, yeah if, if yeah if you're we ain't cheap yeah if you're a fucking ass hat that <laughs> so. talks stupid shit then don't send me your stuff but uh we got a lot of friends in the true crime and paranormal podcast community and if any of them out there are listening and want to send us a sticker or a a hat or something be more than happy to wear it or put the sticker up and like i'd that. be more than happy to return something yeah anyway so when we last left jesse had just gotten out of the reformation house at westboro to the unsuspecting public because nobody thought it would be a good idea to tell everyone that a serial torturer of young boys was back loose on the streets why would you? Yeah, I mean, it's just semantics, really. really. I mean, who cares? 
he's gonna get a young boy and try to bite his penis off and bite a part of his ass cheek <laughs> off. I mean, I mean I did, but yeah, it's not a big deal. Num 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 num. <laughs> So just six weeks after Jesse gets out on March 18th, around 8 in the morning, Jesse was opening up the dress shop and newsstand. Uh, he was talking with another boy that did some work for his family named Rudolph Kaur. Now, that is when 10-year-old Katie Curran walked into the dress shop looking for a notebook. Now, you might be thinking, oh, it's a girl, she's safe, which would be a fairly reasonable thing to think. Um <clears throat> Anyway, this was the second store she had been to that <laughs> I was going to say, we kind of already got to grasp with the fact that he doesn't like his victims to have penises. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> If they have them, he tries to remove them. It's like, you don't need yeah. that anymore. Look. Don't, not there already? Ah, that's half the job, don't yeah. uh, Unless he anyway. just likes the work, you know? Maybe he just likes the work. He's a grafter. <laughs> Puts in that honest couple of hours. That's right. Now, this was the second store young Katie had been to that morning to find a new notebook for a brand new class that she was excited to get to. And she was expected home around 8.30 so she could take her little sister to school with her. Jesse told Rudolph to run to the butcher and get some scraps for the day. He saw Katie walking. He's like, hey, Rudolph, why don't you uh, run down to the butcher and get some scraps for the dog? I'll, I'll handle this. foreshadowing then after rudolph was gone jesse told her that he thought they had a notebook down in the cellar actually he said they had one downstairs he makes this distinction later which we will get to um, but anyway he told her that the notebook had an ink spot on the cover so he would sell it to her for three cents instead of five and she needed to go down with him to find it she started down the stairs first, but by the time she had made it into the cellar and realized there was no, Dan's just shaking his head, there was no store, it was too late. Jesse would later confess, quote, I followed her, put my arm around her neck and my hand over her mouth, and with my knife, cut her throat. I then dragged her to behind the water closet, laying her head furthest up on the place, and put some stones and some ash on the body. Now, that's what he says he did, but that's not the end of what he did. He then, after he slit her throat, which, by the by, he, he slit her throat so deep that the head was almost completely severed from the body. Turned into a Pez dispenser. Pretty much. And he does this with, like, a, a, pen, a pen knife. So, I mean, yeah. In fact, when the, yeah, when they find the body, they actually find it months later. The head had completely fallen off. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Well, and there's a discrepancy to whether it fell off because of how deep he sliced it or whether it fell off because of the people who found it. Regardless, the head was removed from the body. Uh, he then sliced up the front of her blouse and her skirt and viciously attacked her torso and her torso and genitals with his knife. He then washed his hand in the water closet and went back to work like nothing had happened. 
as you do as one does yes yeah. I, I mean that's i mean you're not gonna kill her and then go upstairs and be like bragging about it you gotta go upstairs and yeah, like yeah, nothing yeah, happened. yeah yeah so when katie never re- for cars for the <laughs> so when katie never returned like he's he's uh, i keep saying he's not a serial killer he is he is portraying all the marks of a serial killer all the um prerequisites and and all the things that you would do as a serial killer he's showing all those so that's not my issue with it just so you know he's well in his way anyway when katie never returns her mother understandably got worried she had sent her to tobin's general store so she went and asked the owner who told her that she had been in there that morning but he didn't have any notebooks that she liked so he sent her to mrs pomeroy's why you would send her to a dress shop for a notebook? I still pretty, don't quite understand. Pretty sold tons of different things. It's like there was a shop here where it's, I don't know if it's an Irish country thing though, but what it used to be was um, like a, what we would call like a news agent's store. So it's just like a little mini general store type thing where you can buy sure. loads of little odds and ends. But um. In it, there used to be like a, a food takeaway place, like they did, like kebabs and chips and things okay. like that. But then you could also get the documents to do up your will, <laughs> or back or back to school stuff, you know, like which were both, funnily enough, on the same shelf. So going back to school, it might be like dying? that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or both. Well, <laughs> plan on dying. Well, that yeah. would actually come. Uh, handy here because if you're going to uh, school here in america you might actually plan on dying at the same time so it it does make sense to have both of those things that's very true (laughs) uh i mean yeah i guess but the whole purpose of it was a dress shop maybe the newsstand would have that stuff would sell that type of stuff i don't know but it seemed like out of all the places you could send her to to get a notebook the dress shop owned by the woman seemed like one whose son tortures people, not the first one on my list. But he's locked up, though. <laughs> Again, he does the camera thing, and it's so creepy. <laughs> Just... I had to give the Patreon people something. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the thing is, Mrs. Um, Curran knew that Jesse was out. So she went straight to the police who told her, quote, well, I understand he was completely rehabilitated in reform school. Besides, he only hurts little boys. He never attacked a girl. Never had the opportunity to. (laughs) I mean, again, this police station is very problematic. There's a lot of things going on there that shouldn't be. These people are. uh, They told her to go home. Katie was probably, she's probably just lost. So, you know, your problem. Well, if she's lost, get off your ass and help find her. But now she's probably just lost. You'll be fine. But when the word got around town that Katie had gone missing, little Rudolph went to the current home and told the mother, Mary, that he had seen Katie in the Pomeroy store with Jesse before she went missing. So, of course, Mary returned to the police station. So the police begrudgingly went to the store to make a quick search, and they found nothing. They searched the store, so they said, all over, found 
nothing. Of course they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, we'll get into a little bit near the end of the episode. Uh, Jesse brings up the fact that there was no blood and all this stuff, um, which nobody ever sees any blood. Which is weird, because if you think if you slash a little girl's throat so deep that her head almost falls off, there might be a trickle somewhere. But apparently... Just a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah but, it's, it's yeah. not like there's going to be much... You know. But I guess if, if you got over there and you wiped it up real quick, uh, you know, they're not coming in with luminol and black lights in the 1870s to look for blood. If it's, if it's mopped up, you're not going to see it, then you don't, you don't see it. But oh, plus, yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever cleans them out for themselves. No, it's that, it's <laughs> so that, it's like, it's that if old... If you can't see it... Yeah, is that yeah. John Mulaney uh, bit where is, they're looking for Jack the Ripper. He's like, Captain, there's blood everywhere. Captain looks at him and goes, hmm, gross, clean that up. they didn't didn't think about that stuff back then Um, eventually a so-called credible witness they don't ever say who this credible witness is but apparently he's a credible witness came forward and said that they saw Katie being lured into a wagon so the police closed the investigation concluding concluding that the girl had just been kidnapped because apparently oh. that's where investigations end in the 1870s. Ah, she's gone. She, well, again, Gil, we bring up Gil DeRay again. Uh, the yeah. Same type. Oh, just, she's just kidnapped. It's fine. Go about your business. <laughs> I mean, come on, for fuck's sake. The little girl's kid, go look for her. She's, come on, go look for her. Um, but in any sense, Jesse was in the clear for now, which, like we talked about with uh, Robert Hansen, um, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Once was... once you do something <laughs> and you get away with it, it kind of gives you this um, almost permission to keep doing it because, well, didn't get caught last time. I probably won't get caught next time. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy Bob. Oh, crazy Bob. Do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, oh, we have. the Hanson brothers. Oh, oh, Bob. Old Jesse. Yep. So Jesse uh, just went back to his old ways. He tried several times to lure young boys to their doom, but most knew of his reputation and wouldn't take the bait. Then, in April 1874, he came across five-year-old Harry Field. He asked Harry if he knew where Vernon Street was and if he could take take him there for five cents. Harry agreed, and they took hands. But when they got to Vernon Street, Harry asked for his five cents, Jesus, Jesus, might as well have just been Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, where the fuck did that come from? You know what it is? I have Jesse pulled, and I saw the you and pulled, and I saw Jesus, oh. and I put the two together, and I made, Je- I saw Jesse, I made Jesus. Fucking idiot. Jesse Christ. Jesse cry. Uh, Jesse pulled him into a doorway with a, and held a broomstick up to him and told him to keep his mouth shut. Jesse then took him by the hand through a maze of streets to find a place where they could be alone. Fortunately for Harry, they ran into an old acquaintance of Jesse's who knew of his crimes, and the two began to argue. He's like, what the fuck are you doing with the five-year-old? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, nothing. You know, showing me, you know, just taking him around. <laughs> that broom him. handle. It's like, come on. Uh, but they began to argue, and Harry took the opportunity, the smart little kid he is, to rip his hand out of Jesse's and run away, all the way home, pretty much saving his life, because... Uh, what you're going to find out here Very in a second guilty. is that Jesse had murder on his mind again. And it didn't take long. So a few days or so later, on the 22nd of April, Jesse came across four-year-old 
Horace Millen. It's, and it, for some reason, the age of it just, it, that is the gut punch. Con- consequently, Horace Millen lived right across the street from the Curran family. So this is all staying in, yeah, it's weird. It's all staying in the same little neighborhood. Um, all right. So young Horace was dressed nicely, uh, dress shirt, slacks, nice shoes, uh, black velvet hat with a golden tassel, which he was very apparently Sounds very proud of. Awesome. Yeah, I mean he's, I mean just, just kid in the eighteen seventies, just walking around Suave. in dress clothes. Just, um, he had had a nice big breakfast that morning, but he was still hungry, so he asked his mom for uh, a few cents so he could walk himself down to the bakery and get some cake. And again, I was gonna say, it turns out he wasn't a four-year-old. He was just he a was very or- short person who was a pimp. It was orphan. Like, <laughs> he, yeah. he is orphan. It's he's he's thirty, and he's going to try to yeah. seduce he, your mother. Backhands, <laughs> Jesse. Straight away. Give me my money. Give me my money. <laughs> Pistol whips him. Um, and of course the, you know, he wants piece of cake. Mom's thinking, okay, why not? Here, have. Uh, some change oh. now some say he hey, went Ma, got, can I have a cookie yeah he says that he went to the bakery oh, and nice. got a slice of cake some people say he got a cupcake you know whatever it doesn't matter he got some pastry it does what what kind of cake tell me what kind of cake <laughs> this is the most is this kidding me thing. <laughs> the suspense <laughs> uh, god the suspense so he took off from home headed to the bakery uh, and that's when him and Jesse ran into one another uh, they talked for a minute and Jesse walked with him to the bakery where Horace, sweet little guy, bought his cake and shared it with Jesse. Oh. Yeah, I know. Uh, Jesse su- suggested that he that the two of them take a walk to the harbor. Horace agreed and grabbed Jesse's hand to walk off. It's just this this is if you take who Jesse is out of it and it's just two kids holding hand walk to the harbor eating some cake it's the sweetest fucking thing in the goddamn world and it it doesn't stay that way uh so more susceptible little fuckers oh fuck a number of witnesses saw the two boys set off towards the bay one woman recalled a look of excitement on the other boy's face that was much too emotional for someone who was just taking a walk to a bakery um the second witness because i guess out- that's Horace. So he was so excited about cake. <laughs> <laughs> the second witness out wandering near some remote railroad tracks in the marshy area south of the city remembered seeing what looked like two brothers walking by, which would be a pretty good assumption to make. You just see two boys walking, one of them significantly older than the other. You figure, oh, it's just two brothers out walking, having a piece of cake. Yeah. And, um, now, this is about 40 minutes after Jesse and Horace left the bakery. So Jesse takes Horace on quite the excursion. Um, so all these witnesses, and not one thing on record as to what type of cake it was. No. <laughs> Again, some people say it was a slice of cake. Other people say it was a cupcake. But no, nothing yeah, on the damn. flavor, nothing on the, the, the icing. Uh, if there's any Pops f- back then really didn't do their job, did they? If there was any. F- and you would think the cops would be worried about what type of cake it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was it like chocolate with strawberry? Oh, yeah. Um, but no, nothing nothing like that. This is about 40 minutes after. So Jesse takes Horace on quite the the, the hike, um, which is, you know, that's a lot for a four-year-old. Uh, it was, a, it, and, and the witness who saw them 
out by the marsh, uh, thought it was unusual to see children out that far alone. But the older boy looked from afar to be responsible. You know, I don't know how you can tell. Um, so the witness, you <laughs> yeah, know, just look at it from way far away. What's going on over there? Yeah, he looks pretty responsible. Good, that yeah. little shouldn't be out this far. That older <laughs> one, he looks responsible. It's about the stupidest thing <laughs> I've ever heard in my fucking life. He looked responsible from half a mile That's away. That's right, yeah, because she couldn't see the knife in his pocket, you see, <laughs> yeah. from half a mile away. You could, you could, That's the problem. You couldn't see his fucking uh, James Bond villain eye glaring yeah. in the yeah. sun. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... Uh, but the witness, the witness said nothing. Again, people, if you see something odd, say something to somebody. I mean, even if you're wrong, at least you could be saving a kid's life. Um, unless you're just doing it because they're a minority, then fuck off. A boy just a little older than Jesse, who had been digging for clams, spoke to the pair as they crossed a ditch in the area of the marshland known as the cow pasture. Uh, he remembered thinking that the little boy was a little too well-dressed to be wandering in the mud. But again, doesn't say anything to anyone. Uh, finally, about 20 minutes later, so now we're at over an hour these two have been walking with one another. Uh, the last person besides Jesse Pomeroy to see Horace Millen alive watched the two boys from a distance. Uh, he was a beachcomber, just looking for treasure, noticed that the older boy kept looking over his shoulder as if he was being pursued. But the man saw that no one was following the pair. And he shrugged and went back to scouring the shoreline anyway. <laughs> He was just being responsible. He was, he was, That's all that was. Oh, he looks like a responsible young lad checking yeah, to see if checking over his shoulder. He yeah, must be look looking dodgy at all. <laughs> he must be looking for the make sure the FBI is not following. That's nothing to worry. About. <laughs> uh, he's looking out for James Bond. <laughs> the old double O seven going to come up in his Aston Martin. So eventually, the two got alone. He told Horace that they should sit and rest for a while, which, again, Horace, only four years old, his little legs were probably burning by then, so uh, he was more than happy to have a good sit-down. And the second Horace sat down, Jesse pulled out the same knife he used to kill Katie Curran, and in a moment of overflowing bloodlust, he grabbed Horace and slashed the boy's throat. Despite the amount of blood, Horace was still alive. So Jesse lost his shit at the fact that he hadn't been able to kill him with just one blow. He wanted he wanted to just be done and over with like he had with Katie. Uh, but Horace lived. So he just started stabbing the shit out of the four-year-old. Now we know Horace was still alive at this time because his hands and lower arms are covered in defensive wounds. Tough little, tough little guy. Yeah. Eventually, go on, Horace. Eventually, Jesse sliced through Horace's windpipe, killing the boy. Obviously, he would have died anyway, but this was kind of the, the last killing blow. But that wasn't the end of it because Jesse continued to stab and slash at the boy. He stabbed through his right eyelid into the eye itself, stabbed him in the chest 18 times, and par for the course, attempted to castrate him, mutilating his scrotum in the process. Um, even when he's dead, he couldn't he couldn't cut it all the way off. I don't know what the fuck. 
you can cut a girl's head almost all the way up, but you can't cut off a four-year-old's penis? But what the fuck yeah. is... I mean, I don't know. God just, only knows. Yeah. So there were... He just... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, had something, he had something poignant to say, and then he's like, no, uh, never mind, fuck it. Uh, there were deep gouges in the sand from Horace's kicking legs, and his fists were clenched so tight in pain that his fingernails were embedded in his own palms, pointing towards the excruciating torment the child was in before he finally died. So I guess I should have given another trigger warning before we started this episode, but if you listened to the last episode... Hopefully you knew what you were in for. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I don't see any reason somebody would jump in a part two <laughs> randomly like that. So it's kind of like starting Star Wars and, <laughs> and the Return of the Jedi. It's like, hey, let's start here. I mean, when you want to think about it, technically you start Star Wars on episode four. Um, don't don't you try and get bogged down in semantics here. Like, no, that's... No! <laughs> Just technically, just technically. It, obviously, that's where you start, but you technically jump in uh, on episode four. Yeah. When it comes to these types of podcasts, you really need to start from the beginning because you don't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah, as in torture episode one <laughs> and then catch up to here. <laughs> yeah. Listen to all 20, what we go, it was like 27, 28 of them. Listen to all of them first before you get to this one. You don't know what you're missing. We could have little uh, Easter eggs hidden all throughout the episodes. Yeah. A lot of inside jokes you wouldn't know about. Lots of inside jokes, like the one about the thing I'm trying to think of. But I can't remember now. <laughs> so the thing with the thing, and you'll never know because yeah, remember that time you said that you thing, you and there. I was all like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I chuckled. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah, uh, remember that? Thing? God, what episode was that in? <laughs> even though we you'll have to find it, even though we keep bringing up like Billy Bolognese and. Uh, uh, chicken cacciatore and that episode hasn't even come out yet <laughs> so yeah. nobody has any idea what we're talking about that's um, that's, fu- that's that's how you future proof in jokes right yeah, there yeah you know if you want to know what we're talking about you gotta to listen to the future people that's right <laughs> the future is where it's at stay tuned for more um yeah. so young horse's body was found uh, around three or four hours later by two brothers playing on the beach can you imagine just a young kid no, just run- oh my god Everyone immediately thought there can only be one suspect, the boy torturer, Jesse Pomeroy. Problem was, most people, including the authorities, were under the assumption that Jesse was still locked away. Many of the parents thought that Jesse was locked up, so they had no real fear of letting their boys run free. They figured they were relatively safe. You have to think, if the parents in the community knew he was out and about, they're wouldn't be a boy younger than 16 out by themselves. Yeah, yeah. Place to be locked down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, obviously, you probably need to lock up the girls, too, because he you know, just killed one of them, but still. But they didn't know. She was kidnapped. Yeah, so who cares? You know, she was either lost Incredible or kidnapped. witness who did not look like Jesse. <laughs> I'd say um, just, saw her getting into a wagon. It's just Jesse with a fake mustache. Like, oh, she got in yeah. that wagon. He's yeah. just yeah. holding <laughs> his finger up to his lip as a mustache. Oh, yeah, she got in that wagon. She was kidnapped. Don't worry about it. Oh, fucking hell. Um, but once the authorities found out that Jesse was home, they quickly went to his house and took him in for questioning. Back to an interrogation. Police berated him with questions for hours. Where was he? What was he doing? 
And for many of those questions, he didn't have a real answer. He's like, oh, I opened up the store in the morning, and I worked there for a while, and then I just took a quick uh, stroll around town, and I came home. They're like, well, where'd you go? Um, you know, I went over here, and I went over there. Are they doing construction over on that part of town? I don't know. Uh, were they having a parade over here? Wasn't paying attention. I mean, just asking him simple questions. Like, you went out, you explored the city. Tell us what you found. Was any of this going on? He couldn't give them any answers to any of it. Yeah, yeah. He changes a story a few times through it, but he's never able to give them definitive answers for any of their questions. Uh, so obviously pointing towards, you know, lying. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he asked, when they asked him about all the scratches he had on his face and neck that he got from Horace, you know, defending himself, he said, quote, shaving. You know, as as 13-year-olds do. You know, all the shaving that they're doing on their neck and face. He's like, yeah, what, did you shave yourself with a rake? It's like, you got them on your forehead and you got them on the back of your neck. Oh, yeah, I get, I'm hairy. I get, you know, I was just shaving. My dad taught me you shave the entire face. Before before he left, before he was chased out of the house by my mother with a kitchen knife, he said, hey, Jesse, make sure when you shave, you do your entire face. It's like, Jesse, you seem to have a piece of a fingernail embedded in the side <laughs> of your head there. Where did that come from? Oh, that's how I shave. That's how I shave. We can't afford razors, so I just scratch myself until all the yeah. hair comes off. Now, when they got a hold of his knife, they noticed that it had dried blood on the handle. That's because he cut himself shaving with it. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then when they made a plaster mold of the larger footprint in the, in the mud at the murder scene, it just so happened to be an exact match for Jesse's boots. All the little nicks and cuts and everything that were in Jesse's boots matched perfectly. Uh, when they when Jesse removed his shirt, they found a reddish-brown thumbprint on his undershirt about the size of a four-year-old. He's like, oh, that's mm. my thumb. I have baby thumbs. So that was my yeah, thumb. Yeah, yeah. You know. uh, <laughs> so with all, with all this evidence proving that Jesse was at least present at the murder scene, they properly put him under arrest and all jesse said was quote you can't prove anything you never catch me see yeah uh you can't prove anything <laughs> i feel i feel less like jfk and more like mayor quimby <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Ironically, the captain that put Jesse under arrest was the same captain that vouched for him to get out of Reformation House and the same captain that told Mary Curran that Jesse had nothing to do with Katie's death. So, you know, oh, we caught him, but you're the reason he was out in the first place. Yeah, but we caught him. And if you would have caught him after this little girl died, he would have never committed this murder. Ah, you live and you learn. Pretty much. Yeah, uh, they great, d- great, great police work. Yep, it's, you find in so many of these fucking stories that the police are just bumbling idiots. It's it's. Yeah, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have much of a podcast. <laughs> That's true. There so. would be no true crime podcast if policemen did their yeah. work, did their jobs. <laughs> Zero. So they decided that maybe uh, seeing the results of his actions would help coax a confession. So they took him to the morgue to look at Horace's bloody corpse. That's when he broke. Quote, 
I am sorry. I did it. Please don't tell my mother. All they saw was, when they saw him was, that's how they knew, (laughs) straight away. (laughs) For those of you who aren't watching, Dan made an erection symbol with his finger. (laughs) As soon as he walked in, he saw the corpse. Ooh, ooh la la. I'm sorry, I did it. Don't tell my mom. Can you give me like five minutes alone? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He just stand there with his hands. Does the old belt tuck? Yeah. It didn't take any time at all for the press to run with the story. With this particular suspect and a confession, there was no innocent until proven guilty. The Boston Globe would write, quote, The boy Pomeroy seems to be a moral monstrosity. He had no provocation and no rational motive for his atrocious conduct. He did not know the little lad Millen at all, but enticed him away and cut and hacked him to death with a penknife merely for sport. He would be arraigned for the murder on May 1st and indicted by a grand jury about a month later. So, there wasn't much the community could do about Jesse. He was already in jail. He was already looking as though he would hang for what he did because the 1870s, you're found guilty of first-degree murder. That is your sentence, to be hanged. There's no life in prison. There's no, you know, making deals. You're guilty, you hang. That's about it. Life for life. Exactly. But what the community could do was ruin the lives of Ruth and Charles, who, if you recall, have a very successful business there. An almost unanimous boycott of the shop was looking to put the Pomeroys out of business. And the only people that came in were those curious to see where the boy fiend worked. Um this kind of feeds into the whole, it's not true crime now, it's true crime always. People have always been obsessed with this type of shit. So if you're somebody who loves true crime, there's nothing, it, it's been going on for literally centuries. People just love yeah, true the, crime. The so, rubbernecking yeah, kind of exactly. thing, yeah. Because it didn't oh, happen to the death. Oh, okay. Which one? Yeah, smudge. Smudge? The sasshole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, keep it safe. She decided to open the door. Oh, no, I had to close the door over because somebody's having a shower. I'm out of here. Can't open the door. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry so, about that. In early June 1874, they ended up shutting down the store. Um, enter a man by the name of James Nash. Now, Nash ran a grocery store just a few doors down from the building the Pomeroys had been renting for their business. And he was doing very well. Um, So well that he needed to expand. So, he went ahead and bought the building that the Pomeroys were renting out and started a renovation. Um, The first place he he decided to renovate... Any idea? The downstairs. Basement. The, the cellar. Very good. The downstairs. Um, the last week of June, two workers looking to get started on some excavation went down the stairs into the dark, dank, and by all accounts, creepy basement and were overtaken by a putrid smell. There is a lot of question on this body has been down there for a while, decomposing. How can nobody smell it? This was one of those cellars that always had weird smells coming, had stagnant water 
in there. Um, it was kind of like a dirt floor, so there was there was a lot of weird smells that came up from it. Adults were even kind of weary about going down in there because it was creepy as shit. Had huge rats. I mean, you get when you get by the waterways, the rats are almost always bigger. It had huge yeah. rats running around in there, getting in fights with cats and shit. It was just it was a nasty place to go down into. So a few oh, weird rats. smells coming up from it wasn't really uh, something to be concerned with. But they went downstairs and they got just punched in the face by this putrid scent of pretty much just decay. So they left and returned with Nash, and they went looking through the basement with some lamps. They were unable to find anything, so they went and talked to the previous owner of the building, who had said he had also noticed a smell of decay coming from the basement, but he figured it was just a rat or cat or something got trapped and died somewhere. So, you know, um, I've smelled dead rat and dead cat and dead squirrel, um, I can't imagine the smell is as bad as it is with a human body. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's not a great smell, but I would think a human body would probably be a lot worse. Even a 10 year old girl. But what yeah, do I know? Yeah, I can well imagine. Yeah, well, Anybody yeah. out there has ever smelled a dead body, uh, sitting in, you know, a cellar for God knows how long. Uh, let us know how it smelled. <laughs> it smelled, I guess. I don't know. Um, Next week on torture. <laughs> <laughs> so they went along with their work. Uh, they tore down walls, which let in fresh air, and they churned up the earth underneath um, with digging, which is bringing up even more odd smells. So the uh, thought of the odor of decay quickly left their minds. Until July 18th, when again, and, and this is like the very beginning of summer, so you know it's getting bad. Yeah. Well, they they uh, they started working on the ash pile side of the cellar, and accidentally knocked some of it down. They were uh, he was one of the workers was uh, breaking part part of the wall over there and missed the wall and actually hit the ash heap, and uh, he heard something snap. A lot her of people. Head. A lot of people think that that's when her head left her body is when he hit it with the pickaxe. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a poor thing. Um, but then he, he swings again, hits a piece of the wall. The wall crumbles, comes down on the ash pile and removes a bunch of it. So when that happens, the skeletal remains of a small human forearm with blackened flesh was exposed. And I mean, and you have to imagine that they jump back screaming bloody fucking murder. Yeah. Down straight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the police were called. And they cleaned off the rest of the body, and they had found young Katie Curran. Her, uh, they, and, and they knew it was her by the clothes she had on. She had on very specific. She had on, you know, white blouse and a um, green and yellowish checkerboard type skirt. So they knew who it was. Um, yeah. Her head fallen off of her neck. Her clothes cut up the front. And her genitals almost completely dissected from her body. That's how fucking crazy he went with that knife when he was just going at her. So obviously, Ruth and Charles were taken in for questioning. Then they went and talked to Jesse. They told him that they found her body covered up in the cellar and asked him if he knew anything about it. And he said, quote, No, I don't. (laughs) Nope. So, so you are reported to have been the last person to be seen with her alive. It's in the basement of your occupation in which 
you were reported to have last been seen with her alive. But you have nothing to say. It's like, nah, sure do not remember that guy, that w- credible witness that doesn't look nothing like me with a moustache. <laughs> Told you. She was kidnapped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Mr. Bonneville, great to see you again. <laughs> yes. So not long after this, uh, girls from all over South Boston came to tell the police about how they were almost victims of Jesse Pomeroy. Two girls said that he that he asked them to go buy some oranges for him and gave them money. When they returned, he was closing the curtains in the shop and waiting for them to come in. They just tossed the oranges in and ran away. Smart. Um, another girl came forward, said that Jesse asked her to come into the store and run an errand. She turned and ran down the street, and he chased after her. But she was able to get home before he could reach her. There's no proof that any of this actually happened. You know, people come up with shit. But it isn't outside the realm of possibility that Jesse got the taste of killing young girls, and he wanted to satiate that appetite again. Uh, I'm not saying that it did happen, but I'm not saying it's outside the possibility that it didn't happen. Like I said, he might have realized it was a little bit less work with the old choppy, choppy, hacky, hacky. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what he and wanted. Katie was a lot easier to kill than Horace was. She didn't put up a fight. So maybe he's thinking, oh, girls are easier to take care of. Maybe I should, you know, switch teams, I guess. I don't know what the fuck he's thinking. Yeah. Anyway, a couple days after they first talked to Jesse, they went and talked to him again. Now, with some time to think, what he claimed was to protect his mother and brother, he finally confessed. He said in his autobiography, which he writes in prison at the age of 16. Yeah, and it's actually, everybody says he wrote it. He didn't, there was no ghostwriter. Nobody helped him with it. He wrote the whole thing. It's actually pretty well written. You can tell it's written, um, it's not written by a professional writer or somebody who knows a lot about uh, the legal process, but it's actually pretty well written. I'll give him that. He writes in his autobiography that he thought of the proverb, one may as well be hanged for stealing a sheep as for stealing a lamb. And he thought that if he's going to hang for the death of Horace Millen, he might as well hang for the death of Katie Curran. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's, this autobiography, again, it, 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 it's, it's quite the piece of work. Um, it's not very long if you want to go uh, read it or listen to it. It, it. The majority of it is about what the prosecution gets wrong and how he was innocent of particularly the Curran murder. Uh, And he actually brings up some good points, like the absence of blood in the cellar and how the body was decaying for months and no one could smell it. He brings forth some good points. But then by the end of the book, he says, um, it is for these reasons that I think I did not do these crimes. But if I did, it's because I'm insane. It's like, dude, dude, what the fuck, man? Because through a lot of it, I was listening to it, I was like, you know, he brings up some good points. There should have been blood literally everywhere. And you should have been able to smell a decaying body in, you know, May, June, and July. But then he's like, I don't think I did it. But if I did, it's just because <laughs> I'm insane. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Who are you, O.J. Simpson? I didn't do it, but I'm going to write a book called if I did, what the yeah, fuck yeah. is wrong with you? 
But, you know, whatever. So when asked why he killed her, at first he said he didn't know. He just felt like he had to do it, which is a common theme that the defense will rely on uh, quite a bit later. Uh, But he finally gave the explanation that, quote, I wanted to see how she would act. Like, well, she'd die. That's what, that's what, when you, when you cut her throat. See how she, yeah, yeah. How would I wanted she to see act? what she'd do. She fell like, down. Yeah, that's lazy. What, yeah. What did you want her like, to do? Put on a fucking puppet show? What the fuck is no, I was going to say, it's, it's like that bit in The Simpsons with Mr. Burns and he goes up to the cow and, you know, I'll have that one. <laughs> Kill it. Didn't put much, didn't put up much of a fight, did he? I'll have that one. <laughs> exactly. I'll have a glass of milk. <laughs> Dan, I have a confession to make. I have... Crabs. Beard dandruff. It's close. <gasps> so much worse. I know. Look away, I'm hideous. All serious. Uh, all, all serious. <laughs> all serious. All serious. Me serious now. No funny. No <laughs> Frankenstein. No fire. Bad. Ah. In all seriousness, many of us men with facial hair have some sort of dry skin under their you know, face fur. I I have particularly dry skin, uh, especially on my face, around my nose, my eyes, ears. That beard and mustache, they draw a ton of moisture from your skin in order to stay healthy, leaving the skin underneath sometimes dry, itchy, red, flaky, leading to... Uh, the beard dandruff. And I struggled with it for quite a while. Struggled to, you know, rein it in. Then I found thebeardstruggle.com. They use all natural products, never tested on animals, that your face, body, and beard will love. They have day oils to protect your beard from UV rays and dirt and grime, and it keeps your skin from drying out. All the troubles the day can bring. And they have night oils to help moisturize and rejuvenate your skin and beard while you sleep. Not to mention, as of right now, they have eight different fragrances. According, Kevin. According to this. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell yeah. me. Do you want to know what they are? I do. I want you to. Ready? I want you to pronounce them perfectly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Okay. Yeah. From Alfheim's Forest, which has a scent of woodsy leather and spices, to. Heoneer's home. Sense of greenery, amber, and musk. To Valhalla's gates. With essences of citrus, amber, sandalwood, and vanilla. Mm. Right now, yes, right now I'm using the Aesir's Triumph, which I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, which has the scent of sweet incense, tobacco, whiskey, and cinnamon. And my wife absolutely loves it of course i haven't gotten one from them they haven't loved that she hasn't loved so and if you can't choose just get the sample pack which comes with six of their mainstay scents and five milliliter bottles of nighttime elixir so you can decide what is best for you but they have so much more than just oils balms wax shampoo conditioner butters cologne natural deodorant, skincare products, heated beard straighteners, combs, brushes, shaving kits, growth kits, merch, list goes on and on and on. No matter what kind, length, or style of facial hair you have, the Beard Struggle has the products you need. You get a free gift for purchases over $50, and you get another free gift for purchases over $100, and all orders over $65 US dollars get free shipping. 
you have a 90 day money back guarantee so you really have nothing to lose and be sure to use our exclusive coupon code TORTURE19 at checkout to get 19% off your entire order that's T-O-R-T-U-R-E 19 at checkout for 19% off your entire order TORTURE19 at checkout or click on the link in the show notes thebeardstruggle.com do what's right for your beard do what's right for your face So the captain would read the confession to the press after Jesse made a few small changes to his story. So earlier when I had said that he he had said that they went downstairs to the cellar, well, in the confession, it originally said that he told her there was a notebook in the cellar and then and that they should she should go down with him and get it. But then he changed that to say that they had one downstairs because he said, that if he had used the word seller, there's no way she would have gone with him. Mm. So points, again, this points to not being crazy, but to being cunning and exacting. A crazy, an insane person isn't going to think about doing that. Yeah, that's that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he clearly had all his faculties. Exactly. That way, yeah. So when they asked him what they uh, should do to him for his crimes, he said that... uh, I can go to prison for five or six years and then send him out to, out to sea for two or three years, you know, with the Navy. By the time he comes back, he'll be a fully grown man and able to suppress the urges that he had. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that discussion we had uh, many, many episodes before about, it sounds like going to solitary confinement wouldn't be too bad if they, as long as they gave me my phone and, you know, I got to, you know, and all that shit. And it wasn't solitary. <laughs> yeah. just, just people think, well, if you just throw me in prison for five or six years and send me off to sea, I'm good after that. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, he actually asks several times through his imprisonment to just be, just, just let me go and send me off to sea. Let me join the Navy, send me off to sea, I'll be fine. Everything will be good. He just wanted to get onto a boat with a bunch of other men for some reason. I, I don't know if maybe he was secretly homosexual and he was um, fighting those urges and that maybe that's why he killed the younger boys. Or it's I, easier I, to dispose of bodies at sea. That is true too, but he's too, he's, he's like any, you know, murderer he's a coward so he always attacks people younger and smaller than him he never attacked or got in a fight with anybody bigger than him so i'd imagine if he's off to sea with all these all these men he's not gonna be able to kill anybody because he's not gonna overpower anyone you know that's true but that doesn't say not say that he wouldn't try at some point i suppose so the trial begins on december 11th 1874 the prosecution only tried him for the millen murder uh, they knew that that would be a slam dunk, so to speak. So, And uh, it would be the only guilty they would need to secure Jesse be put away for good or, you know, probably the hangman was due. Hanged, yeah. yeah. Um, the defense leaned hard into the insanity defense. They knew that they probably weren't going to be able to get him off of the charges. They, they knew, like, this kid obviously did it. They hoped they could keep him from getting a death sentence. Prosecution put forth the argument that he was too cunning and exacting in his actions, like I had said, to be insane. He knew what he was, he knew what he was doing was wrong. Otherwise, he wouldn't have tried to cover it up. Period. It's true. Yeah. So a couple months before the trial began, he started seeing a doctor, a guy by the name of Dr. Tyler, um, to see if he was indeed insane. He told the doctor he couldn't help it. 
and that before he would hurt or kill someone, he would get headaches. Um, it would start in one side and go to the other and then go back and forth and back and forth. And then this gave him the urge to whip or kill the young person he had with him. But he was beginning to get confused on the details of what had happened and if he had actually even done the murders because of counseling from his mother, who was, again, in complete denial of her son's guilt, even though he confessed, and pleaded with him to fight for his freedom. She was completely under the assumption that the police had forced him into this confession. They had beat him down and yelled at him to the point where he was so scared that he was uh, confessing to something he didn't do. And then with the Curran murder, uh, they took her and Charles into prison, and she was for cer- she was certain that he was just doing that, saying that he killed her to protect them, which even later says that he was doing it to protect them. But it was his brother Charles all along. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. You never know, because when um, when they do an interview with all with them, uh, Ruth actually comes off. She's. <laughs> She looks like just a completely horrible person, and for a lot of people she was, but when she talked in public, she was very well-spoken, very courteous, very kind. Um, She answered all the questions. She was just sure to tell them as much as possible, my son didn't do it, he's a good boy. But when they talked to Charles, who's supposed to be this upstanding citizen in the community, and everybody knows him, he's a small business owner, he's kind of the one that comes off a little odd. Uh, he, he's like chewing on a toothpick the entire time. He's real short with his answers. He's got a real bad drawl in his voice, which is weird for being from Boston. So could it have been Charles that killed her? That's a possibility. It would, I mean, Jesse's known for attacking boys. If, you know, Charles might have wanted to do the same thing to girls. Yeah. yeah. They actually looked back in their genealogy and saw that there was some, shit on their dad's side uh thomas's side of the family that cuckoo well yeah a little cuckoo-ness kind of ran you know in the cocoa pebbles or cocoa puffs sorry cocoa pebbles is flintstones i'm sorry anyway because of his mother's counseling telling him fight for your freedom don't just give up he decided that during one of their final examinations uh when he was asked why he did it why he killed them he got upset and recanted his confession, saying he didn't kill either of them. Like, I didn't do any of this shit. Fuck you. <laughs> Which, all right. That's just, oh, God almighty. <laughs> uh, and it makes everything a little bit more difficult. On November 6th, the doctor gives his diagnosis, which is, this is laughable, but okay. Uh, he's pretty much saying that Jesse was insane based on the fact that he said he couldn't help what he was doing. And then progressed to compare all the horrible things that he did to other people that feel like they just have to do things. Like people with OCD that feel like they have to wash their hands constantly. Or pyromaniacs that feel like they have to set fire to things. Or kleptomaniacs that feel like they have to steal things. None of these points to actual insanity, just a form of a mental health issue. Yeah. But again, this was the 1870s and the science of the mind was still in its infancy. So you, I mean, this was back when, if you were mentally retarded, they put you in an insane asylum because you I was going to say, was you know, Bob Hansen his goddamn therapist or something? Like, 
Hey, watch this. So he just had to do it. He, bar- he barely yeah, heard he just, it. He just had to do it. Yeah. Flea and knives. <laughs> barely even heard that, didn't you? <laughs> I'm going to set the barn on fire. Um, the, the doctor did, however, feel that the fact that Jesse could see the good and bad in others, but not in himself, could make him very dangerous and should probably be locked away from the public for their own safety. So at least there was that. He didn't say, oh, no, he's fine. Just let him go. You know, somebody will kidnap yeah. him eventually like that Katie girl. and We won't have to deal with him anymore. Yeah, that guy with the mustache. Him. <laughs> the trial only took three days, uh, which is, I guess, for 1870s isn't bad. For today, that would be incredibly short. But uh, witnesses were called that said they saw Jesse and Horace together mere hours before the body was found. Uh, the doctor that looked over the bodies, the police officer that arrested and took Jesse's confession, even the jail priest that took, uh, that also heard Jesse's confession, they all took the stand. And the whole time, Jesse sat in his chair, a look of boredom on his face, head back, hands laced behind his neck, seemingly without a care in the world. He's just like, eh just nonchalant didn't give a fuck sure he's innocent yeah Why would too he? cool for the he's world. gonna get off scoff right yeah now. he's like well i told him i did it but then i told yeah. him i didn't do it so i'm good Said i didn't i Ooh, am yeah. good <laughs> anti-confession everything he's like mom everything's fine now i told him i didn't do it i'll be home for dinner <laughs> uh which i mean he's only 13 uh four oh 14 that is probably how most 14s would think about it. Be like, I told him I did it, but then I told him I didn't do it. So everything's fine. And then I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> so he's like, I did it. I'm sorry. You fucking told my mom and I told you not to tell my mom. So <laughs> we're even now. I get to go home. <laughs> go play with my pogs. <sighs> oh, yeah. Oh, pogs. Good old pogs. When, Remember, Alf is back in pog form. <laughs> when it became the defense's turn, they recounted uh, all of they recounted all of Jesse's horrible past crimes, including the murder of Katie Curran, because he wasn't under tri- he wasn't on trial for that one, and they did it in as much gruesome detail as possible: uh, the tortures, the beatings, the stabbings, the murders. They talked about all of it, and then they said Jesse couldn't control the urges. He was now and would probably forever be unable to resist the impulse to beat, kill, and mutilate young children. And then he appealed to the court that they needed to create a new law to protect society from people like Jesse. Not death. Just because these people were insane didn't mean that they should die. Which is true. Just because you're crazy or insane doesn't mean you should be put to death. But it doesn't mean that you need to be taken out of society So for society's sake. Yeah, yeah. They just can't help it. Quote, When a person indicted for murder or manslaughter is acquitted by a jury by reason of insanity, the court shall order such a person to be be committed to one of the state lunatic hospitals during his natural life. Which is actually what happens now, you know. Um, Not then, though. They called their own witnesses, his mother Ruth first, who recounted the multitude of childhood illnesses Jesse had, uh, he had epileptic, epileptic shakes in his head following a brain fever, and these would be super bad, and he'd get super bad headaches. Uh, he had insomnia, dizziness, uh, the frequent headaches. Neighbors testified that Jesse liked to hurt animals in the city, and he could often be seen running around while holding the sides of his head as if, as if in great pain. 
a teacher told a a teacher told of sudden and unprovoked outbursts in school and when he was to be punished he would cry out that he wasn't to blame he couldn't help it then as an obvious misstep they called some of his early victims to the stand uh i think 5 of his torture victims were called up the last of which being robert gould who still had all the scars on his face from the attack Instead of solidifying the insanity defense, this just pissed off the jury. The jury saw this, and they went from thinking, oh, he's crazy, to he's a fucking monster, you know, because yeah, they're yeah. looking at this little kid. The doctors that examined Jesse were next. The main doctor, Dr. Tyler, reiterated his findings that Jesse was insane. But the second doctor that Jesse saw knew enough that what uh, said Jesse had known enough that what he was done was wrong because he tried to evade punishment. And then the prosecution's doctor contradicted both of them, saying not only did he know what he was doing was wrong, but he was cunning and manipulative and completely free of mental defect. Like, he's not, he's not insane. He's just a fucking murderer. Was gonna say, yeah, he's just a doc- other kind of lunatic. Yeah, he's crazy, not insane. And there's a difference. Yeah. It's a really good documentary, if you have uh, Netflix, if you ever want to go look at it. Crazy, not insane. It, focus, it, it pretty much focuses on the whole the people can do horrible shit and still ha- be completely sane, know what they're doing is wrong. But, and that's where, I, where most people, I think, believe Jesse Pomeroy was. He had a lot of people who were in his defense that said, oh, he didn't do it. If he did do it, he's, cra- he's insane. But obviously he did it. So the jury deliberated for about five hours, eventually finding Jesse guilty of premeditated first-degree murder. However, they requested mercy on behalf of the court because of his age for life imprisonment instead of death. But the only sentence at the time for the verdict was death. So the judge's hands were tied. Uh, If they would have gave him second-degree murder, it would have been different. But they gave him first-degree murder, and there was nothing else he could do. So at the sentencing weeks later, in mid-February 1875, the judge handed down the sentence of being hanged by the neck until dead in order he be taken to prison to await execution. The only thing that could save Jesse now was the governor. Today, when someone goes on death row, they can be waiting for several years before they are put to death. You know, you got, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's. That's because of the appeals process and, and a bunch of other shit. But you can be sitting on death row for a very... You can actually die on death row without being well, put being, to death. Yeah, you know? hung or, yeah. or well, lethal injection. Lethal injection now. Yeah. Uh, but in the 1800s, you were lucky if you got one year before you were put to death. If, you're, if you were sentenced to execution, they got it fucking done and over with. Yeah. Jesse, it was a little different. The Commonwealth had never handed down the death sentence for a 14-year-old before. And the community, the entire state, was torn. Uh, There was a letter-writing campaign and daily visits to the governor's office by both sides of the argument commenced. Many came forward calling for the death of the boy fiend that had terrorized the area of South Boston for the past few years to do away with the menace because if he was left in prison to live his life, he would eventually get out either by breakout or by his odd charisma and go on a killing rampage. Kill the boy! Uh, The other side said things like, 
Only God can truly judge a person. Only God can condemn someone to death. Who are we to hang a young boy before he had the opportunity to fully understand who he is and what his place is in God's kingdom? Should be blah, 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 blah. Just that, that same religious bullshit. Uh, however, there were others who, you know, weren't. Completely. I'm with people on number two there. You know, well, there were people on... Only uh, God can judge me. <laughs> there were people well, who weren't delusional. You, judgmental bastard. Uh, who said, <laughs> dude, he's 14. We can't hang a kid. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. They had, it, it was no, oh God, and this, that. Was, dude, he's he's 14. We can't we can't do that. That, that. If he was 18, sure. Even if 17, maybe. 14, we can't. We just can't do it. Um, and I completely agree with that. But I wasn't around then. Um, so over the next couple they of years. probably wouldn't have listened to you. <laughs> probably not. Like, who's just, get out of here. <laughs> so over the next couple of years, uh, there's a lot of back and forth and not knowing exactly what the governor would do. Um, there's an election, so they waited till afterwards to see who would win and what the governor would do with Jesse after that. But eventually, the governor commuted the death sentence to life in prison. But he went a little further than that. Because by his order, Jesse would then spend the next 41 years in solitary confinement. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, if, so that's, if you that's don't... one way of definitely making somebody go cuckoo. If you, exactly. If you don't know about solitary confinement, it's essentially 41 years of pure torture. A person can be psychologically changed for the worse by just a couple days in solitary. There's been so many fucking studies done on solitary confinement about how it's cruel and unusual punishment, that it shouldn't be around. And this motherfucker spent 41 years... Now, I can just have this mental image of, you know, the good old classic John Travolta um, meme, Pulp Fiction meme. The... He's like, what? He, what? Yeah, what? that's just him in a room on his own. Like. Um, now, 41 years. For most of us, that would be horrible. Jesse Pomeroy is uh, a, a different character. He didn't mind being alone a lot. Uh, he kept himself busy. Um, so over the course of the next 40 of those 41 years with the exception of, you know, the ever, you know, letters from people that are having the same type of issues he's had as a child looking for advice or companionship. There's a couple of people who wrote him, you know, not often, but often enough to where the authorities were looking into it. The only person he ever saw or talked to was his mother, Ruth, who got to visit him, I think a couple times a month. They, I mean, they had solitary. It was, it was. You had the the big, the big door that closed in that you couldn't get out, and then a big wooden door past that, so you couldn't talk to anybody out in the hallway, or yeah. the corridor. I mean, complete isolation. You know, this this was where he got the moniker, the most friendless man in the world. Which, is yeah, because he yeah spends forty years yeah. with nobody, even but his mom. Even got wrangled into his wild escape plots. Uh, he actually asked her to smuggle in a file inside a banana 
because apparently fruit <laughs> wasn't inspected by the guards. You could give, you could walk in with a thing of fruit and give it to uh, the inmate for them to have, and they wouldn't inspect it. So he's like, hey, put a fruit. <laughs> walks in a fruit basket and yeah. a shotgun inside. They, 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 they check through his... <laughs> That's the biggest zucchini I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so they're they're looking through his on one of his escape attempts. They check his cell, and uh, they look through his coat and find a letter to his mom saying, "Hey, next time you come up, smuggle a file inside the banana." He gives her this whole explanation of what he's going to do. He's going to use the file to get through the uh, the bars on the window and sneak out. He has so many fucking escape attempts. He used uh, spoons, the the lid from sardine can that his mom had given him. Um, anything that he could find out in the yard when he got his one hour a day of yard time. Uh, rusty nails, rocks, anything he could grab. His room, his cell, I keep saying room, his cell is filled with just little trinkets and shit that he's made and worked with to that he's using to try to escape it. Yeah. It's really actually quite impressive when you don't think of the fact that how horrible he is. So one of the, hey, the they know Rita Hayworth. <laughs> yeah. So he just, honestly, there's just tape on the bottom of it. He just let the thing fall down back after he climbed through and it stuck itself. That's uh, there's no plot hole. He, that's how he did it. Anyway, I, I, I ain't going to go look for any plot holes there. It's an amazing movie. Just enjoy it for what it is. So he so for his first big escape attempt, he used his spoon given to him uh, that he would have to eat with to dig away at the stones in the wall of his cell, uh, of which three he was able actually able to remove these stones, and he had covered yeah, and he had covered them back up with some paper. When that was found out, he was moved to a cell with granite walls instead of block, which he would never be able to dig through with a spoon. Uh, but he would use any tool he could come up with to cut through uh, cell doors. Spark. <laughs> Literally, anything he could get his hands on, he would make a tool out of. Uh, he'd try to cut through the cell doors. He would dig into the floor of his cell. He'd cut through the bars of the window with anything he could find. Anything he could think of. Over two dozen times they caught him trying to escape. I mean... <laughs> you see, I can imagine him walking in and he's... <laughs> Had this image of him standing in the bowl of the toilet, flushing it, trying to. Get it. It's like, God damn it, Jesse, not again. He's just sitting there spinning. I, oh, God. I don't believe they had toilets. I think they just had a bucket to piss and shit in. Um, but that's fucking amazing. Oh, my God. I didn't think of that. That never once entered my mind. But now it's all I can think of. <laughs> Especially him older, looking like a, a really bad Santa Claus without the beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, well, he didn't go as far as trying to flush himself. He did, however, blow up his cell trying to escape. Cool. Nice one. So, hey, mom, stick, bring me in a stick of dynamite hidden something to get there, please. Will you? This and it, what he could, if he hadn't have gone the way of, you know, vicious murder, the thing, what he could have became, could have been amazing. The the shit 
the way his brain works. So he had found out that the gas lights in the corridors were powered by a gas line that just happened to run on the outer wall of his cell, the cell, the, the, the wall of the cell that is um, inside, fully inside the prison. Yeah. That just ran right next to it. So every day, a little at a time, again, he's going to be there for the rest of his life. He's got plenty of time. He's, he's patient. Jesse begins to dig through the mortar of the cell wall between the bricks. Uh, and every night, he would conceal his work that he had made with some paste that he had made from soap. So he could just scrape it away and keep going to work. Eventually, he broke through to the other side, right next to the gas line. He then bored a hole, just a small pinhole, into the pipe with a piece of wire that he had. God knows where he got it from. So to let the, the gas escape into his cell. Then, quickly, with some tubing he had made from newspaper, water, and bread, he channeled the, ga the gas to another part of the cell where he had loosened a few blocks. He figured that if he could get enough gas in that area that he had loosened, that he could blow a hole in the wall and run for freedom. Well, uh, he's half right. On, uh, he's like a, like a Bostonian MacGyver. <laughs> he's like fucking Wiley Coyote. Right? He's yeah. got all these awesome, awesome ideas. And yeah, his mother's walking him into these giant Acme boxes. Here you go, son. At some, at some point, he just paints a tunnel on the side of the cell and tries yeah. to run through it. <laughs> so... Oh. On a uh, November afternoon, it doesn't say the date, but on a November afternoon in 1887, the east wing of the prison shook from an explosion. The guards opened Jesse's cell door to find him laying unconscious in the corner, his face singed, and his eyebrows and eyelashes burned off. There's a hole in the wall in the shape of Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> to look at the seamless running over the hills and the distance, <laughs> he had blown a huge piece of the granite ceiling off that was laying in the middle of the cell, partially destroying the floor of the hospital above him. So it did <sighs> technically work, just in the wrong place. But man, if that would have landed on him, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's been the been guys walking in after all of his attempts, and like, God damn it, Jesse, not again. <laughs> Oh, you see his arms poking out from the piece. Yeah. <laughs> God. Fuck. Uh, so, obviously, unlike his time in the Reformation House, he was the absolute worst prisoner. He never did anything he was told. Uh, guards would, they tried to get, he was supposed to do work out in the yard. Um, they, they were kind of lenient on his whole solitary confinement thing for a little bit where, uh, they weren't putting him in general population, but they were getting him out of his cell a little bit more. Um, yeah. and he was like, well, you're going to do work on the yard. And he'd be like, I'm not doing any fucking work. It's like, you gotta, you gotta what do work. You gotta, work. Do? You, gotta, you gotta do work. <laughs> it's like, I'm not doing any work. He's like, I never want to work. And he never did ever. He never does any yeah, like, fucking What are they going to do to him? Exactly. Like, I mean, you hang me. Go ahead. That's what I was yeah. here for in the first place. Uh, now, there was a rumor that got started that um, they gave him a kitten for companionship so he wouldn't be so lonely and that he ended up skinning it alive. Now, 
Jesse obviously denies these rumors. There's no actual proof of this ever happening. I wouldn't put it past him, but I think that the prison would be out of their minds to give him any type of living creature to play with. I think they're out of their minds to even give him toilet roll at this <laughs> stage. Like, he's he, just... used, he tried to break out with it if you did. Yeah, but that doesn't surprise me. Like, if he would, would do that, so it's just, yeah, wouldn't give him anything. He should just stay in, in a big empty room on his own. Yeah. But naked. Nothing. No access to anything. Give him some food and water. Done. Yeah. But in all this time <sighs> in solitary, he did, he did take advantage of being alone. Um, he learned everything he could, including Latin, German, and French. He learned how to paint big tunnels on the side of his wall that he could try to yep. run through. Um, he wasn't very good at any of it. He wasn't a very good painter, um, even though he thought his paintings were amazing. He's like uh, George W. Bush. Can't really paint all that well. Thinks he's really good. He wasn't very good George at George W. Bush can't really think very well. Thinks he's very good. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he wasn't very good in Latin, German, or French, but, you know, at least he learned something. Neither am I. Yeah, me either. Um he wrote a few books, like his autobiography and a book of poetry, which was actually, both of these books are actually published. He even tried to invent a hollow pencil with a self-sharpening lead, pretty much the idea for the first mechanical pencil, which I thought was very interesting. He never actually got around to invent I found out he never got around to actually inventing it. Um, he just had the idea for it. But still, you know, again, what could he have become if... He hadn't. He become, wasn't a lunatic. Yeah, if he, if he didn't like kill people. But in 1917, just a few months after his mother died, Jesse was removed from solitary and allowed to join the general population, where he would re- revel in the fear on the young inmates' faces when they realized who they were locked up with. He'd just walk up. You know, he's an old man by now, but he'd just walk up to youngsters and be like, "You know who I am?" They say, "No." He goes, "I'm Jesse Pomeroy," and they'd be freaked out because at the time. He was still a boogeyman of South Boston. Um, A few years later, the new inmates coming in had no idea who the fuck Jesse Pomeroy was, and it kind of killed his spirit. He was getting getting off on knowing people were afraid of him, and now all of a sudden he's afraid of him, and uh, it really just, it was really a gut punch to him. Ah, poor Jesse. Yeah. Poor, poor Jesse. You fuck. Uh, In 1929... Actually, he probably didn't fuck. He probably got fucked. So he went in prison when he was 14. So there's a good chance he died a virgin. Yeah. Just like Jesse, Isaac Newton. Necrophiliac. Jesse Pomeroy, oh, yeah. Isaac Newton. Two peas in a pod. Now, Isaac got fucked by that lightning bolt, though. I think you're thinking of Ben Franklin. So. Oh, that's the guy. <laughs> and that's a myth. That never actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> Mythbusters busted that a long time ago. Uh, no, he got fucked by that apple. Oh, the apple, that's the one. You yeah. know he was doing shit with that apple. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a tree. You see, it was a tree taken for retaliation. It's like, oh, that's a very interesting little hole in that tree about waist height. Probably made the apple into a bong. <laughs> no. That's what you're into. Yep. So, I don't the- like apples, so. <laughs> I love apples. In 1929, at the age of 71, Jesse was taken to the Bridgewater Prison Farm for better better medical care. Uh, It was his first and 
only automobile ride. His inexperience with the vehicle led him to almost knocking himself out by hitting his head hard on the door opening when his foot missed the running board while getting in. <laughs> he just, I just, it's like, he knocked his hat to the ground. It's just imagine, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> he had no idea what he was doing. Uh, but I mean, by the time he gets out and he's riding around Boston, going to this other place, looking out the window, the world has completely changed. From 1870, oh, say, yeah. from the 1870s to almost 1930, there was, I mean, an entire world war had happened while he was in there. He and 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 everything had changed. Nothing was so. Uh, it says that he looked just kind of uninterested because that wasn't the world he knew. So he yeah. wasn't missing out on anything. He didn't feel like, which I, I guess is one way to look at it. So just two, year, two years later, September 29th, 1932, two months shy of his 73rd birthday, Jesse H. Pomeroy died of coronary heart disease, his ashes scattered to the winds. Good. Yeah, good, good. Good for us. Now, why do I not recognize Jesse as a serial killer? Well, for one, he only killed two people. Most definitions say a serial killer has to have at least three victims. Some say four. There are some that say two, but I don't, you know. God know how many serial killers. No, I, I thought it was three. Yeah, how many right, serial killers that... in the world would they be if you only had to kill two people to become a serial killer? I mean, come on. Make it difficult, people. And even though he did get a sense of gratification from these kills, be it psychological or thrill-seeking or bloodlust, the two victims had no similarities other than their age. And even then, they weren't close enough to age to really make the leap. If Jesse had been in his 20s or his 30s, then you could say, sure, killer of young kids, uh, because of the age difference between him and them. But Katie was only a couple years younger than him. Horace was a third his age. There's a big difference between a four-year-old and a 10-year-old yeah. when you yourself are 12 or 13. Uh, one was a girl. Massive difference. Yeah. One's a girl. The other was a boy. One came into his shop. The other he had to go find and take for a walk for God knows how long to find a private spot. Um, yes, they were both killed with a knife with a slit to the throat. Yes, he then stabbed at their torsos and general genitals. But... With the small amount of time between the murders and the rage that overtook him, I would say that he was closer to a spree killer than a serial killer. Now, would he have become a serial killer if not stopped? Of, of, of course. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent he would have. Yeah. Within, he was about he was about two days shy exactly, of becoming exactly. within, a, within a, less than a week. He would have become a serial killer. It was no doubt. Um, and then. You know, you'd be completely right to say that. But I guess we, if we were going to call him anything, we'd call him a pre-serial killer or almost serial killer, a killer stop before he became serial, the the killer previous known as serial. You know, give him an, an yeah, yeah, give him a symbol, <laughs> give him a symbol like the uh, a bite mark out of his cheek or something. For I don't know, but and I'm sure plenty. It's, of it's like oh no, no, want to be like like the apple symbol with the bite, but it's an ass. <laughs> That's the t-shirt. That's, that's the, it. We're going to have to make the, that now. That's the t-shirt. Fucking <laughs> 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 Pomeroy. 
Pomeroy babysitting service, and it's just an ass with a yeah. bite taken out of it. Fucking. Oh fuck! So I'm, I'm sure plenty of people out there disagree with me in this whole thing. Uh, that's fine. I also don't see Ed Gain as a serial killer. For the uh, same, I'm being reason. honest. I my whole thing with it is is purely a numbers, yeah, thing where he would have 100 percent turned into one. He wasn't one, and there's no definitive thing whether or not he actually killed um the girl. What, what was her name again? Sorry, Katie. Up here, Katie Curran. Kate, yeah, yeah, yeah Katie Curran. Yeah, there's no definitive thing there where. Like that could have been somebody else who then was opportunistic and already put the body and all that stuff. It's a possibility. Um, like it could, it yeah. could have been the the, the, the mustache. Yeah, guy. Well, yeah, it could have been the, the mustache. Weird, guy. You know, um, like yeah, for all we know, like you know, so that's the thing. But um, from sheer numbers alone, no. Yeah. But he was escalating towards that at an extremely he'd, rapid he'd, rate. He'd have like, been there without 100% a would. doubt. He would have. Like he's extremely there. guilty of like grievous body harm, body harm and yeah. all that so like and assaults in numerous ways and fashions and all that but yeah, yeah. He, he was one one shy I'd say of isn't that how it is though you just you yeah. just one shy yeah always it's the same thing with Ed Gein uh, people say that he he's a deranged serial killer but he killed maybe two people one Definitely, maybe a second one. But he was a grave robber, is what he was, you know. And and Jesse Pomeroy was a boy torturer. Yeah, he murdered people, but serial killer. I don't think. So. I also don't think Batman's a superhero because I'm, you know. But you know, whatever. He's not though. He's, He's a not super detective. Yeah, technically, I, I saw something. Technically, the Flash is the only tech super the, the, in the Justice League person with superpowers because because one of them's a god, one of them's an alien. Well, Superman's a... Two of them are God. Superman's an alien. Yeah. Martian Manhunter's an alien. Uh, Wonder Woman is Amazonian. That's not... She's not a human with powers. That's just who they are. That's, you know... Uh, Green Lantern has a ring. Cyborg is a yeah. literal cyborg. Uh, the Flash is the only human with a power. In, in At least the original, you know, the, the main Justice League. You get into all the other, you know other ones you know there's other superpowers yeah. there's metahumans so, yeah fish, fish, fishy guy is a god um and yeah i can't remember after the other ones yeah. it. so so i was gonna say is it not similar enough with marvel yeah like, uh yeah like iron man has spider-man a... has spider-man has superpowers spider-man has iron man is iron man's not... rich he's yeah he's, he's just America like batman is... he's just rich is kind of genetically modified thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't know if you'd say Captain America has superpowers or not because it's the super oh. serum. But but if you're going to say the super serum doesn't give superpowers, then you can't really say that spider the bite. spider bite. So I, I, would, I would venture to say that Captain America has uh, superpowers of sort, I guess. I think Jesse had superpowers of sorts. And he was able to make people think his, he was a different person his, by putting his finger yeah, his, over his lip. Yeah, that's what that's all the Superman did. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, he put, put, put on some glasses, on hey! in a, in a suit. Yeah, well, allegedly he could change his voice and change his eye color and all this sort of shit. No, I guess that, I guess that, that depends on how deep in the lore you get. But yeah, well, did you see that thing the, in one of the movies? I can't remember which one it is. Where Lois kind of cops on, she like draws in the newspaper over his over his picture, and like she's standing there in front of her in his picture of Superman. In the newspaper, and Clark is in front of her, and she draws glasses on and draws his hat on Superman. She's looking at him, she's like, It's you, and I gotta prove it. And she jumps out a window, 
hoping that he'll fly down and save yeah. So he just he runs down super fast <laughs> and starts doing this super breath to slower her descent and pops out the fucking um does the awning at down the bottom. So she lands in the awning and falls out and then he runs back up super fast again and goes out to the window. He's like, Lois, what did you do that for? What are you doing? <laughs> pretty smart. That's pretty yeah, yeah. smart. It's like, why does it smell like hot dogs? You had hot dogs today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just super breath, it's just super hot dog breath. Uh all right, do you have any pop culture? I know there's some pop culture references. No, nah, yeah, there's a couple. He, I just saw that he was a couple of references in um, books and stuff like that. Yeah. He was also apparently referenced in a video game, Payback 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just as a character called Jesse. That's pretty much it, the, the extent of it. Like, it just, like I said, there's a couple of books and stuff like that, but I didn't see too much. Yeah. That gave me that was really of note that I could find offhand real quick. Okay. <laughs> so, well, Payback 2. Payback 2. <clears throat> this time it's personal payback to electric boogaloo this time it's personal yep all right well again thanks to our patrons uh inquisitor willow quinn fowler executioner jagabani and our torture noob and mx sinister 26 thank you so much uh for being members of our community and anybody who has subscribed in the meantime seeing as yeah we are recording this one early yeah we recorded both episodes uh one after the other, so this won't be coming out for a little while. Uh, Much to the uh, complaint of my bladder. <laughs> if you are if you are a uh, Patreon subscriber, you got this pretty early. Um, but that's all we really got. Uh, follow us Instagram, other social media is TorturePod, at TorturePod, email us TorturePodGmail.com. If there's anything you want us to cover, uh, any fan art, you can go ahead and send our way. Uh, Rate, review on Apple, follow, subscribe, whatever service you listen to. Head over to our YouTube page. You could uh, kind of watch, I guess, our podcast if you want. It's just it's literally just the image of the icon for this episode with some wave file behind it. It's nothing, you know, big. Yeah, but if that's you how you get, like, that's how you like your podcast. You get this if you subscribe. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see our faces, go subscribe to Patreon, or you can see the little YouTube. excerpt that I put up. Um, I'm not sure what I will put up from this one, but it'll be something. Um, you can donate to the Ooh. show on our link tree, which is on our socials, or buymeacoffee.com slash torturepod. And, of course, patreon.com slash torturepod uh, also helps. And if you'd rather just walk around with some torture merch on, uh, redbubble.com slash people slash torturepod. Go get yourself a onesie. Do I can I- confirm also that um, some of it does ship from Europe. As I said, I was afraid it would all ship from the States. Yeah. And that was why, um, depending on what you order, the post and packaging can change. But it was because part of mine decided to ship from the United States. Yeah. The rest of it's all shipped from Europe. So. Well, I think if you order in the U.S., you'll probably get most of your stuff shipped to you from the U.S. If you order outside oh, yeah. the U.S., you might have to oh. wait for things to kind of come from all over the place. Um, but just, so that's what it's meant to clarify yeah, yeah. So if you are ordering from Europe yeah. it's not all going to come from the US or China or Africa yeah. or Australia or wherever you're from yeah, Germany, anywhere you know. they want yeah. um, hint for our next episode when the Brazilians find something they like boy do they stick with it nice <laughs> isn't it I got I got another little, little chunk of wisdom for yes, you yes Dan well. what is your Things, word of wisdom second Never play uh, leapfrog with a porcupine. <laughs> that's that's right up there with no, never stick anything larger than your elbow in your ear. 
That's very good. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, with that, uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Watch out for your kids. And we'll see you. Adios. Adios.